Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of the podcast. Welcome, everyone. I have to say, Anna, it feels a bit strange because we're recording at a different time and a different day and I'm just not used to this. I know. I feel like I've entered a weird vortex. This is no longer Monday morning for me, Monday afternoon, your time. Yeah, I've actually got my evening light on. I know. You know, you are cast in a very sexy glow at the moment. You know, like those candlelight dinners where the lighting is perfect and it's like your hashtag best self. That's kind of where you're at right now. I feel like Lady and the Tramp, we need a bit of spaghetti. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I love that scene. That's so sweet. That really does bring canoodling to the next level. (laughs) We're back on canoodling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So we're kind of poised in the middle of our week, which feels kind of saucy and new. How is your week going? Um, My week's been going okay, actually. The children came back, which was always nice when they come back and Mm. haven't seen them for a little while. Mm Mm-hmm. How's your son's bedroom? It is still tidy. Well, Ooh. I do have to say there's a couple of dishes up there, but that's the only thing. And I have said, make sure you bring them downstairs. Mm. We're on track. I'm hoping it can stay that way for quite some time to come, actually. As long as we make it to the end of the week, I'll celebrate that fact. End of the week it is realistic. Teenage son yeah. would be beautiful. Oh, yeah, that would be cause for celebration. Excellent. Wonderful. And no major blow-ups or teenage angst situations to break up? I know I'm going to touch wood and say no. Let's hope you haven't put the cat amongst the pigeons there, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great saying. Putting a cat amongst the pigeons. Oh my god. Oh, is that not? Is is that a UK saying? It must be. Well, we've got two cats and we've got a lot of pigeons out our window. This is New York City. (laughs) And if only our cats could get among the pigeons, that would be like their dream life. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to share that with my husband. He is such a cat fanatic. He'll love that. Oh, there you go. Then we've shared something new. We've shared a some new sayings. We we're talking about that um, the other weekend, actually, about how you have different sayings across the globe and you don't really think about them, do you? you? Just things pop out and you wouldn't really think if that means something to somebody else. Like fizzy knickers. Well, yes. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> but now it's part of my lexicon and I use fizzy knickers all the time. Oh. Yeah. Is that just with your husband or with other people too? Oh, no. Well, you know me. With everyone. <laughs> Let me tell you how busy my knickers are for you today. <laughs> and, and that's just the postman when he comes to deliver a parcel. <laughs> oh, gosh. When Amazon comes over, I just, oh, I have to tell them about my fizzy knickers. <laughs> I'm fizzing away. <laughs> just getting real fizzy and warm. <laughs> oh, dear. That's awesome. You've started early doors, Anna. And it's midweek, so we can be a little bit more saucy. I'm not my usual Monday morning sleepy self. I'm quite energized and my mind is active. Yeah, and the reason that we're recording on a different day is because Anna's going on holiday. Yeah, it is the first time we're leaving New York City since March. No, but well before March. We realize we haven't left the city for all that time. Yeah. We're finally just throwing ourselves out there and taking a road trip. We're going to North Carolina, which to anybody here just sounds preposterous, given that New York has actually managed to contain the virus. Uh, But North Carolina has not, (laughs) nor has the state of Virginia, through which we'll be passing. 
so we're kind of getting into the belly of the beast, but we wanted to get to some beaches and we wanted to go somewhere new. And me and my husband have never gone to the Carolinas. So we're doing it. Okay. Yeah. Driving around. The great American road trip. We hope that you have fun. How long will it take you to get there? Oh, gosh. I think if you drive straight, it's about nine, ten hours. But I think we're going to try to make it a little scenic. So stopping in places. Oh, nice. Nice romantic road trip. Well, yeah. Yeah. I remember your romantic time away, your staycation. Yes. Now, ours isn't a staycation, but we're still staying within the country limits. So, you know, we're looking forward to it. We're actually, we haven't made any bookings because we want to just take... We're doing the spontaneous thing, just kind of rest our heads wherever we find ourselves on a particular day. You are a braver woman than me. (laughs) Talking about pre-trip planning anxiety. Yeah, we're pretty anxious. Yeah, I am a planner, clipboard, every second accounted for person. Oh, yeah, no, we don't. Nah, we have no idea. We're we're leaving on Friday and we don't know where we're staying Friday night. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) word, that fills me full of dread. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, afterwards, I'm going to come back and tell everybody all about it. Oh, I hope you have an amazing, tremendous time. You definitely deserve it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And I think for our mental health, it's going to be really important. I don't think that we realize just how hard COVID has been until we actually get out into doing an activity like traveling. Yeah. And we realize just how much we've been missing. Yeah. So I'm going to push past those, all those awful pre-trip. I I literally, I can't sleep this week. I'm up till four in the morning, just worrying every night. So I may look as cool as a cucumber, but inside I'm just shivering in my boots. But once we get on the road, I think it's just going to be so therapeutic. Yeah. You'll have a great time. And those nerves and those, the anxiety is all normal. And lots of us experience it. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Yeah, you had. And it was even your man who calmed you down in those anxious moments. It was. My dude is trying to do the same. I'm a bit of a handful, so it takes a lot to calm me down, but he's (laughs) trying. Good good luck to him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he deserves his gold stars. (laughs) So I'll have updates for you on our next podcast. I'll let you know what's shaken. Oh, lovely. Well, I can't wait to hear all about it. I hope you have an amazing, amazing, fabulous time. Yeah canoodling and shenanigans (laughs) so would you like some relationship news oh my gosh i forgot my relationship (laughs) international remedies okay thank you you just got carried away there with your whole holiday you were already in the car packed your bags and away i swear (laughs) i know i was like sarah i can't believe that i forgot to ask you about what's going on in the world we've got work to do (laughs) oh my gosh i've been snoozing see that's the thing i'm half in the bag and on my vacation okay sarah thank you for bringing me back because we need to know what's going on in the world well, I've got something that might help you actually when you're on your um, on your road trip with your man. Ah. Because I'm going to tell you the science and the secret of staying together. <gasps> okay, we need this. Tell me more. So they did a study about how couples handle conflict and they watched them and then they went back and revisited them later on in life and they've worked out the secret is a five to one ratio. What is the five to one ratio? (laughs) I'm glad you asked, Anna. So the ratio is positive to negative interactions. Oh. So for every negative interaction that you have with your other half, as long as you have five positive interactions to counter it, you're going to live a long, happy, satisfied relationship and you're going to stay together. Oh 
my God, I'm doing so much math in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm thinking of our last negative encounter. I'm like, have I fit in enough positive encounters since then? I think what this science is probably saying is that for couples who have proportionally more positive interactions, they fare better. Yeah. In my mind, it's almost like going to the confessional, right? Like you've done a lot of sins. <laughs> and if you just put in enough Hail Marys and Our Fathers, like you'll make up for those sins. <laughs> I don't think that's what the research was actually. I don't think that making up for your sins. I don't think you can carry around like a little black book that says. <laughs> okay, on um, on the 12th of March, I was really, really mean to my mom. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's a definite no-no. And now I need to do five things to make that up to him. So I need to buy him his favorite single malt. Yeah. I need to uh, stay out of his way when he, needs, he, when he wants his boy's night. I need to make him breakfast in bed. Yeah. And two other things, or maybe one other thing, and then I can do that really nasty thing that I was thinking I was probably going to do. <laughs> I don't know if this is the recipe of success if you treat it in that way. I think trying to treat this like the confessional is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I think you've taken it to a whole different level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So, okay, so my man needs a rescue here. Poor guy. And he's about to, like, go on a road trip with me to the Carolinas next week. Yeah. God help him. <laughs> I just hope one of you is wearing headphones. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I think I'll look over and he'll have his one headphone, you know, where I'll yeah. be driving and he's in the passenger seat. So the obscure ear will have, like, that... Yeah. He'll be playing some cool grunge from the 90s trying to relive his past. Poor man. <laughs> Do you feel like you... Would you say that this is true based on your past relationship experience, like that, that five-to-one balance? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if a five to one balance really is, you know, the true level or not. But I think it just, you know, it does make common sense, doesn't it, really? The less that you fight and the nicer you are to each other, the longer <laughs> your relationship will um, will last. So, you know, on one level, if I really pick it apart, I'm going to say, actually, it's a bit of shit news. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't tell us anything that we don't already know. But obviously, as the international relationship correspondent... <laughs> I'm going to say this is a well thought out scientific study and of course the five to one ratio stands. <laughs> and we are not going to blame our correspondent. We're just going to say that some people get paid to do some really <laughs> shady ass research <laughs> that we could all, if we sat back with a glass of wine, have probably figured this out. Yes, definitely. <laughs> But actually, it is good to know that some researchers are having a really great time doing some really cool research. Well, what I do think would be quite interesting is observing the ones that didn't quite make the five to one ratio. <laughs> what was going on in their life? Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, so married at first sight. Oh. I'm thinking that we should pull those couples who are doing a more like the two to three ratio or the two to one ratio. Yeah. I think we should put them on the, on the show and see what fireworks come out. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that's why we had that kind of TV. <laughs> yeah. So don't be the two to one couple. Be the five to one couple. Yeah. That's what you need to strive for, listeners. Five to yeah. one all the way. Yeah. And actually, maybe that would, if we were to follow this and say, look, I could be more intentional in the good things, the nice things that I do. Yeah. That if it occurs to me, do it. Don't just keep it under your hat. If I'm thinking about, oh, you know, I passed by that store. My partner really loves that particular cheese or they really like a massage. If you're thinking it, do it. Yeah. And see what happens, even if you're on rocky ground. Yeah. And I think if you see something or you observe something as well, I think that's always a good one to mm. just play back. Sometimes we can feel a bit embarrassed by saying nice things to other people. 
because we're not in touch with our own feelings. But, mm. you know, if you think somebody, if you look at somebody and you think they look nice, then say, I think you look nice today. Yes. If you see something, say something. And yeah. That's the motto of safety, at least on the New York subway. I don't know if it's in the tube in London, but it can be applied to relationship. If you see something, say something. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> always bringing it. Always bringing it. Oh, yeah. Right, let's move us along to the hot topic. Otherwise, you will never get on your road trip. (laughs) So, we have got a hot, hot topic this week. I cannot wait to talk about this one. All right, what is going on? What is this hot topic you speak of? Okay, deep breath. How your parents ruin all of your future relationships. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it because it's not past relationships, it's it's future relationships. Yeah. Things that haven't even happened yet. Yeah. And it's not just one of them, it's all of them. It's all of them. Oh my God. This is hilarious. But yet when I sit back... I endorse the fact that whenever I'm going off on a wrong track in a relationship when I know that I'm not my best, I really do blame my parents. Yeah. That is the first trigger of blame that I pull. Yeah, I've got another spin on this as well, which is it's not just about your parents having a bad relationship because often we think, well, actually it was because they were a bad role model or Mm. they couldn't get relationships right. Therefore, I've got no hope. I'm doomed. Mm. There's also, on the flip side, and I do hear people say this, their parents had such a good relationship, they will never find somebody that lives up to that relationship. Gosh, see, that's the perspective, Sarah. I would never have thought about this. See? And that's equally as imprisoning. Yeah, there's more than one way to spoil your life for you in the future (laughs) as parents. (laughs) So really what it's saying is that we really, by default, we really feel trapped by patterns that our parents have set. Yeah. We we feel at the mercy of things that our parents have done, whether those have been beautifully constructive and proactive things or whether they've been destructive, toxic things. Yeah. Isn't that funny that we stand our own, on our own two feet as adults, but we really do not stand on our own two feet. I think you still, you still feel so connected to your childhood and the things that happened and how it shaped you as a person. Mm -hmm. And it can be very, very difficult to break free from that. Oh, gosh, yeah. And society endorses it. They're like, of course your parents... Yes, of course your parents screwed you up. Of course your parents (laughs) screwed you up, yeah. And and society helps you to really, or encourages you to steepen that and just exist there without sort of moving forward and, and giving yourself and putting yourself in the power seat, in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to be a product of what our parents have set forward. Our past does not dictate the future, and we've said this before in relation to other topics on the podcast, but I feel we need to say it again and to keep saying it, because Mm. when we get caught up in this cycle of the fact that we can't change, or I am who I am, um, I've always been this way, where we feel like we're not worthy of love because we didn't get all of our needs met as children, Mm. all of that just keeps us stuck in this place where where we do feel trapped by that past. Yeah, we do. And when somebody is saying to themselves, God, are my parents going to screw me up for all my future relationships? They obviously feel that past or present relationships have been screwed up by their parents. So they're obviously attributing a lot of importance or a lot of causality to their parents. So if you're with a client 
And this is a viewpoint that they're bringing forward. Or you sense that there is a link, there's a causality to their parents that they're drawing. Where do you start with that client? I would say, and what if you believed that that wasn't true? What difference would that make to your life? Yeah. What if you believed that your parents have nothing to do with how you show up in a relationship? This is all you. Yeah. So often when we just flip things on its head completely, it really does change the perspective that we have. Yeah. You know what came up for me there is I realized, I kind of put myself in the seat of, of your client and I thought, gosh, you know, the next thing I would say is, well, but I, I feel like I'm my mother. I feel like I'm my father. When I get into an argument, I fight like my dad or I am silent like my mom or I play nasty like one of my parents. Mm. And I feel like I would come back as a client saying, how do you escape a behavior that you notice yourself swerving towards that you attribute to being one of your parents? And how do you escape that and you own how you show up? And I think, and it's perfectly normal, isn't it, to start to take on those patterns that we witnessed during childhood because they're our role models. We see that that's the way to behave. Mm -hmm. The question is, how does that serve you? How does Mm -hmm. that help you? How does that get the life that you want right now? Yeah. And in this case, it's not serving folks. Just because we tend to fight in a certain way or show up to fights in a certain way and you can kind of feel yourself, it's almost like you're a third-party observer. You step out of yourself and see yourself doing the same damn thing. It doesn't. We can actually escape that. You yeah. actually have a choice of how to show up. And as coaches, we help folks to kind of scan through the Rolodex of options of how to show up to a particular thing. So if your thing tends to be passive aggressiveness, if you are not getting a need met, And rather than saying, look, I'm hurt, I feel hurt, I don't feel like my need is being met here, I don't feel like I'm understood, rather than that saying, okay, fine, whatever, do whatever. And if that's the way that you generally show up, you actually have an option to build the awareness of a moment where you can actually take a fork in the road decision and play around and try on a different response, try on a different approach. Absolutely. See what would happen if you start to express yourself in a healthy way, for example. Yeah, and there's a big part of actually just celebrating that awareness. Because to get to that point where you can see what's going on Mm. is an amazing achievement. So rather than just saying, oh, I just, I feel like I'm my mother, or I feel like, actually, no, that doesn't usually happen. (laughs) What usually (laughs) happens is we say, my partner is acting like my mother, or my partner is acting like my dad. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't often have insight about ourselves. That's true. I think there's another part of this topic as well for me. I'm just going to um, put another another level in there is around our parents are such a big influence in our lives. They can have an influence on who we choose as partners without us even thinking about it. Because mm. we think, well, you know, we seek that external validation and approval from our parents. Mm. So I do think that that can play a big part into this as well is to say, well, what would my parents think if I brought Fred home for dinner. And this has different weight, also depending on the culture that you come from. Yeah. And in certain cultures, in certain parts of the world, this can be really heavy. Yeah. And sometimes the parental or family opinion or the family consensus, it sometimes bears a very realistic and practical weight that may sometimes be sort of an external block that we can't necessarily wholly shift. But where do you have power in that? A lot of people completely relinquish their power and say, you know what, I don't have any choice in who I bring home yeah, or whether I'm allowed to bring somebody home at all. Yeah, but the reality is you still always have a choice. 
and how that choice plays out and what happens after that. I think sometimes we have to be prepared to deal with the extremes that could potentially happen, but we do still have a choice. It is true. And this is where the worst case scenario, where we imagine what's the worst possible scenario that may come out of a certain decision. So we can really go down the road of flushing that out. So you can really start to look at different options. It's kind of like a, yeah, it's a safe playground. Yeah. What usually happens is the worst case scenario almost always is not as bad as you imagine it to be before you actually really flush it out. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So parents. Yeah. Parents have got a (laughs) tricky role in our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've got a big part to play, but I also believe that we need to check the stories that we're telling ourselves about the situation Um, So really check how much of the influence or the hold that we believe is there really is. And I think it is about just maybe shedding some of those patterns or those thoughts and beliefs from the past. Yeah, that's completely true. Because we're all, you know, you're a grown up. You can choose who you want. You can do what you want to do. And it's your life, which is full of choice and excitement and options. It is. And this shows up really powerfully, actually, in folks who find that the influence of their parents will actually last beyond the time that their parents are alive on this planet. Yeah. When you have ghosts who are following you and you still feel their influence, that's probably the strongest indicator to us that you're just letting stories dictate your life and you're, you're not questioning the power and the agency that you actually have. We have immense power, so much so that people try to control us because they see our power. So they try to control us with these stories. So whether that's a a parental unit or a family tradition or a religion or other things that tell us we can't do things uh, because of this mystical will, bad things will happen. We're fed these stories because people want to want to try to keep us small. Yeah, because they're scared of our power. That actually sounds kind of mean and nasty. And it's not that all. It's just it's human tendency to sort of put people in certain places. And so sometimes we don't realize just how much choice and freedom we have until we start to really interrogate some of these messages and realize that other human beings, just because they're being human, have just kind of kept us in certain boxes. Yeah, often it comes out of a place of protection, though, doesn't it? Mm. You want to pass down certain wisdoms or beliefs or ideas that you have about the world because you want to protect your children. And that's your value system. Yeah. So I think often it isn't, you know, we, I think parents do get a bad rap and it's not until you have kids <laughs> that you realise how bloody difficult it yeah. is. Yeah. And, you know, I've no doubt that I'm probably screwing up my children's future relationships as we speak (laughs) but let's just hope I'm not doing it to too much of a degree that it um, impacts them too much in the future but you know in the defense of all parents out there I would say you know it does come from a place of positivity it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of wanting to keep your children safe and um, protect it from the world as much as possible Mm. even though when they grow up and become adults they won't need it anymore but Mm. we're still going to want to do that. So yeah, I'm going to sing the praises of the parents. You're doing a great job. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't help but smother your kids with love or just show them the things that makes the most sense to you. Yeah. Every parent is just trying their best. Yeah. Sounds very difficult, though, to not just tell your kids, you're not allowed to do that just because. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, we do say those words, but eventually backfires when they learn how to speak and then start to challenge you backwards. (laughs) See, this is the problem. Two-year-olds, it starts from the age of two. Everything was great up till two and then, God, they started having their own opinions and views. 
So I like your defense of parents everywhere because at the end of the day, this is love. It's all love. It is. It is. And our parents were no different. They were just doing the best that they could and wanted to pass on the best. Yes. And I'll take that one step further to say, when I blame my parents for my relationship woes, which I do all the time, usually weekly, (laughs) I realized that my parents would not want me to be suffering ill because of them. They wanted me to go find my happiness. They don't want me stuck. So I would be honoring them to find my own path and to find my own happiness, to own my happiness and my choices. You know, when I have nobody else to blame but myself, it means now I'm in the driver's seat and I better start getting my Google Maps out and figure out my path. Yeah. I'm not quite sure you'll find your relationship happiness through Google Maps, but (laughs) you go, girl, you try. (laughs) I'm already halfway to North Carolina in my mind. So I'm thinking like relationship, road trip, it's all the one of the same (laughs) Google Maps. (laughs) It's just all happening right there on Google Maps. Oh, Google Maps. Yeah, that may save my relationship. Although, I was going to say, it might be the savior when you're trying to navigate where you're trying to go to. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, in North Carolina, like as a Canadian, I'm like, what is going to go on there? I have no idea. I'm going to need some sort of GPS system. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes my relationship feels like it, it needs a GPS system as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good end to the hot topic for the week. Are we ready to um, tackle the question of the week? Yes. Relationship remedies, here we come. Okay, so you've got to listen very carefully to this one. The question is quite long. Okay. So pay attention, lock in and get ready. Locked in, go for it. Okay. What is the best approach to changing behavior that's been going on too long and you no longer wish to tolerate it? Ah, gosh, I just feel like this person who's brought this question forward, I just, I feel like having a long cup of tea with them. I really feel this is very, very deep rooted. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that's coming up for me is this person has obviously sat on this for quite some time. Mm Mm-hmm. They've accepted something for quite some time, and the other part is none the wiser. Gosh, I agree. And I feel frustration. What I'm feeling, what I'm feeling frustration is actually, I'm feeling a lot of frustration directed inward at like, why did I settle for something? And now I've set a pattern, and now I'm trapped. Mm. I, so I agree with you. There's silence. This person is suffering with this by themselves, and I'm feeling a lot of self-judgment and frustration directed at themselves. See, I was feeling more frustration outwardly towards the other person. Oh. Mm-hmm. And my concern is that you get into that hand grenade, pull the pin out territory and just explode. Yes. But when that hand grenade gets pulled, mm. they're not talking about the behavior. They're going to be taking it out on the proverbial dishes, right? Yeah. <laughs> that poor dish Definitely. set. Yeah. <laughs> Away goes another crockery set. Yeah. (laughs) So they're slamming around in the kitchen. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. They're just being pissed off, but they're not actually talking about that behavior. They're not confronting the root cause of it. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel. Yeah. Or maybe they are, but there's something where their partner's kind of dismissing it, being like, oh, they must not be serious. Well, they knew I was like this when they got together with me. So how can they have a problem with it now? So I'm just going to dismiss their concerns because, yeah. you know, you knew what you signed up for. I was like this at the beginning. Yeah, I might have said those words in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they sound very familiar, Anna. Yep. <laughs> have you been bugging our room at all? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it sounds really close to home. 
was that Zoom call left on a bit too long? <laughs> Do you know what's funny? No, it was just like, that's taken from like a relationship that I, or a conversation that I've had with my partner, like in the last three months. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so many things that I was totally cool with at the start of a relationship that I'm absolutely categorically not cool with now, but I just feel yeah. like there's no exit strategy now. Well, not when you're about to go on a road trip. <laughs> you better stick with it for the week, love. Oh, gosh, yeah. Just one more week. <laughs> three years and counting that marriage of ours. Yeah. yeah, I think you're on three years and three weeks. Even I'm tracking your uh... <laughs> I know, I know, because it's really precarious, like at every turn, right? Yeah, I mean, I have to say there's there's things that seemed really cool or things that I kind of, you know, there is a saying, the saying goes that oftentimes the things that attracted you to somebody are often the things that get under your skin and piss you off as the relationship goes on. Yeah. Whether there's that late night behavior of your partner because they were like this cool, grungy musician and they were so edgy and awesome. But now you're like, I need to get the kids to school and you're up till five <laughs> in the morning playing your music. That's no longer cool. So, I mean, that's just yeah. one kind of lighthearted example of how we tolerate and not just tolerate, but are maybe even attracted to certain behaviors at the start of a relationship. Yeah. But I think th there's something in that that just sparks for me is around being in sync. Mm. So you kind of, I feel like it's throwing up that where maybe you were in sync at some point and it's, mm. um, and over time that is, that has disappeared or maybe one of you has changed in a certain way mm. because of what's going on in your life or, or where, where you are, mm. but you've, you've fallen out of sync, I think. And again, I think in tackling this, it is about being able to raise it in a safe and respectful way. Hmm. Which is hard because I get what you're feeling, that there's a lot of anger and frustration underneath this. Mm. And it's hard to raise something in a respectful way when you're really angry. Yeah. And I think part of that, though, is really digging deep to yourself mm -hmm. to say, what is it about this situation that's really triggering? Yeah. That anger and frustration. Why do I feel so mm -hmm. emotionally and energetically charged by this? Yeah, absolutely. Is it possible too that this person who's asked, who's brought this question forward, do they feel deceived at all? Do they feel like perhaps their partner was hiding something or being on their best behavior? Ooh, you've gone dark, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny, I guess I'm just still flushing out like the feeling underneath the question. And yeah. I, I just, I wonder, you know, what are all the permutations of this real strong feeling that we're sensing? Mm. It's funny because I, I got a sense of frustration directed inward. You're getting a sense of frustration directed to the partner. Yeah. But this is the rule rather than the exception that people fall out of sync, whether they change, whether they were bringing sort of a different person or on best behavior in the start of a relationship. It's it's more the rule than the exception that people will change and how can we embrace coming out of sync or see the opportunity in it? Yeah, I think mm, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you don't go into a relationship expecting everything to be changing all the time. You go into it expecting that you will, well, I believe you go into a feeling that you expect to create a deeper connection with somebody mm. and not necessarily for you to be in perfect harmony and sync all the time, but for you to have a real deep connection. Mm -hmm. But when you've got a situation where you can't tolerate behavior, then that upsets that because you can't create that deep connection. So it absolutely has to be tackled. Mm -hmm. The question is how and when. And, you know, I'll go back to celebrating awareness again, because... Mm. 
I do believe there's a lot of credit to actually having that awareness inside that says that this is no longer making me happy. Mm-hmm. But I think there is that element of, of allowing the other partner to catch up with where you're at and how you're feeling. If it hasn't been raised before and they are none the wiser, then they need some time to process that and to come to terms with exactly what, what you're saying and, and this new bit of information for them. Absolutely. And that's true. And I think that time to process, I have a feeling that this person who brings the question forward feels or believes that they have informed their partner that this behavior is not in alignment. But what you've just said, which I think is the truth, is that partner probably hasn't heard it or hasn't heard it in a way that has actually hit them. Yeah. I think that telling somebody in a way that they can actually understand and are open to hearing that is probably the first step that may not actually have been taken. Yeah, I really feel like it hasn't been explored to its fullest. And I do really feel like there needs to be that time to allow both parties to be on the same page. Yeah. And review it from the same point of view or the same position. Yeah. If you're sitting down as a coach with this person, what would you suggest might be the first step towards opening the door for communication? I would explore some of the assumptions that are being played here so what assumptions are you making about the situation what assumptions are you making about your partner so what is it that you believe is going on for them Mm -hmm. and I would really explore that in a much deeper level to work out where the reality Mm -hmm. is in that and then I would encourage that open communication that then explores those assumptions with the other person. Mm. So I think Brené Brown talks about it quite a lot where she'll say, the story I'm telling myself in this situation is this. And I use that with my partner. So if there's something going on and we're not quite in the same space, I will say, well, this is the story that I generally am not very good at doing it in the moment, Mm. but I do do it afterwards where I'll say, well, this is the story that I was telling myself. Mm And the reality is always something completely different. And if we can take understanding from that, that the reality is always and very often so different to the um, assumption or the story that we've made up, then that, you know, can give us the confidence mm. or the courage to, to go forward and explore that. Gosh, I love that. Because the, the, the story for me anyways, and for folks that I tend to encounter, this behavior that this person has been tolerating, I think what they're saying is, I feel hurt because I feel like this person is trying to hurt me by doing this behavior. The story is generally that this person means ill will and wants to hurt me and knows how much it angers, annoys me or frustrates me. Or doesn't love me enough to care about doing anything any differently. Oh, yeah. Now that. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Now that. Because, you know, I've tried to tell them and they didn't listen. So they obviously don't love me. Yeah. Wow. I think that hits at the core of why there's so much feeling behind this question is just feeling unloved, hurt, not understood. And the reality is probably so far from that that it's unbelievable. And once you raise it and you have that open discussion and they tell their side of the story, which is, you know, so far from removed from that assumption or that perception that you have, it just gets everything out in the open. Yeah. No, I agree with you is every time I've had the very rare confidence to share my perception of the story. It's always been absolutely out of the park where he's like, what are you, what are you, where did that come from? Like, I, that is absolutely not what I meant, or that's not the feeling that was behind. And it generally is that I did not say something in a way that he understood or picked up on. Yeah. Because again, we're on, we're on different planets. But what I feel is me communicating. If I'm not 
like you mentioned, absolutely coming out there with direct words. If I'm not coming out with those direct words, he's probably not listening. Yeah. Because I speak in a very kind of subtle, kind of passive way many a time. And he will not pick up on that. That's not true communication if I'm not communicating in a clear way that he understands. Yeah. Well, we try and deliver things in such subtle messages that it's no wonder they don't get through. Yeah. And actually, half the time, we're not really fully present. We're not listening. We're the kids are in the background or you're on your mobile phone or you're working or there's something going on. So you're not really fully present a lot of the time. God, that's true. And it's no wonder we can't hear each other. There are times where I, I'm shocked sometimes at how I answer a question in my relationship on autopilot. And I'm amazed at how well mm. I can do that because there's a part of me that's listening enough to be able to produce a reply that fits which makes it look like I'm paying attention, but actually my mind is somewhere else. Yeah. And it's amazing how many very fundamental conversations may have been held where I'm not fully present and vice versa. We can look like we're present, but funny enough, we're on autopilot, but our minds are somewhere totally different. Yeah. We're just in such a distracted society and such a distracted life that true deep communication is just something that we have to intentionally carve out time for and not just assume that we're having it around while preparing dinner. Yeah. So I would definitely encourage the listener to have those deep and meaningful conversations. Be brave. Yeah, it's going to take bravery. Yeah. Because you have to get out right on the edge of vulnerability. Yeah. Dig deep, courage, brave pants on. Yep, brave pants on. And those I statements. Because again, it's all about your story, your perception, and what this behavior makes you feel. We're going to put it out there and just allow our emotions to be known rather than saying to the other person oh this we don't want to fill in the blanks we want them to tell us what the truth is about what's going on their side of the story yeah share your side with our expectation yeah brave pants i think that's a new thing <laughs> put your brave pants on yeah put your brave nicks on and go for it yeah i think all of us are four-year-olds and all of us are, you know, because I'm thinking that resonates with my four-year-old self. Like, Anna, go put your brave pants yeah. on. And I think about going into my closet, put my brave pants on. Yeah. And when I'm wearing those brave pants, I go out in the world, I'm like, I'm a very brave person. And we are all little kids. We just, our hearts bleed. We feel rejection. All the things we used to when we were four, we just have built this sophisticated facade that hides all that. Yeah. So to your four-year-old self... You can do this. Yes. I feel really brave. And if I can put my brave pants on, maybe we can get through the road trip without, you know. <laughs> I've got every faith in you, Anna. I think you're going to be on a seven to one ratio Ooh, by the time you come back. yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I think there may need to be uh, massages done at the end of a long day of road tripping. Mm. Nice dinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're bringing our dog with us. So, you know, maybe dividing up the duties of who takes the dog out for the walk while we're going. Yeah. And maybe some words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are my love language. So I think I'm going to request some affirming words like what a great driver you are not getting pulled over by the state troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask my man to be like, compliment my driving or something like that. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, Anna. <laughs> Yes. Hey, listen, whatever gets us to the past the five to one ratio. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take anything. I'm confident you're going to have a great time. Well, thanks for bringing such amazing to bring such a question to us that yeah. provokes our thoughts and, and hopefully moves folks a little further in feeling no judgment, no shame and possibility. So I'm very thankful. Yeah. 
Well, that wraps it up for another week. And I look forward to hearing all about your road trip. Have a wonderful, wonderful time with your man. I will. Romance to us and romance to you and romance to everyone. Yes. <laughs> so that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.